Hi guys. Hi. I've got a testimony of a miracle that I should have shared during prayer. <laughs> but my daughter Kaylee was in the hospital this week. And um, she had a whole bunch of really bad symptoms. Um, and they were pointing towards a burst appendix. And they did the, see her, all her numbers were pointing, everything was pointing towards that, her symptoms and stuff. And they did a, two ultrasounds and a CT scan that was read by like 10 people. Um, and long story short, they never found her appendix, but they also never found any inflammation or fluid from a burst appendix. So she's out now and she's doing great. Yeah. No, they didn't do surgery. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe it burst and God healed whatever, or maybe, yeah, or maybe God took it out himself. I don't know. (laughs) All I know is that she's okay. And it was, it was pretty, um, intense there for a while. And I appreciate those of you who are praying for us. And because of that, um, I didn't have a ton of time to prepare this. So I'm totally trusting God to speak through what I say, even if it's a jumbled mess. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm Lisa, by the way. And for those of you who don't know me, And I'm going to be sharing a little bit about letting go. That's something God's been speaking to me about. We're going to be looking at and thinking about letting go with the book of Ruth as our guide, which is in the Old Testament. Well, I'm kind of going to summarize it, and then I'll have some... I don't have a page number. Maybe you can... You can kind of follow along if you want. You can get it first. Um... I am in the continual process of letting go. I don't know about some of you. Sometimes it's harder than other times. Could be letting go of physical or emotional or spiritual. Could be behaviors I've become accustomed to or thoughts and ideas that are holding me back. Could be sin that's trying to entangle me or anger or bitterness that I'm holding against somebody that's really damaging me and hurting me and not the other person. Not that I want to hurt them, but... um, So let's look at Ruth and see how she let go and see if we can try to relate to any of it. Did you find a page number? So the skinny Bible is 208. Um, But I'm going to tell you the story from the Bible, but I'm going to be telling it in my own words. So and also in the Bible, a lot of times names have deeper meanings than just a name. And we're going to explore some of the meanings of the names in the book of Ruth. So there was a family who lived in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. There was a famine in that land. So that father, Elimelech, which means my God is king. The mother, Naomi, which means pleasant and my joy. And their two sons, Malon and Kilion, went to live in a place called Moab which means desire, waste, and nothingness, because they were trying to get food for their family. There was a famine. They thought Moab, a place of desire and waste, would be better for their family. Tragedy strikes this family, and Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi with her two sons. The sons married Moabite women, um, and their names were Orpah, which means hardened and double-mindedness, and Ruth, which means beauty and something worth seeing. Ten years later, Malon and Chilion both die. 
leaving all three wives to fend for themselves in a hard time with no social service system. And it was really rough for them. It was hard for women. It's hard for women sometimes still today and in other places in the world even more so. But back then, it was really hard. Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem because she's heard the famine was over. So all three widows are heading to Naomi's homeland. They hadn't gotten very far. And she realizes, what am I doing? And she tells Orpah and Ruth, go ahead, go back to your people. It's not like I'm going to have any more sons for you to marry. Go back to your families. Go find another husband. And she blesses them to stay in their homeland of Moab. And they all cry and weep because they love Naomi. Orpah ends up going back, but Ruth doesn't leave Naomi. She makes a declaration in verse 16, chapter 1, verse 16, that says, Where you go, I'll go, and where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. So she was super serious about staying with Naomi. And with that declaration, Ruth let go of all she knew and went with Naomi to her homeland. When they got to Bethlehem, all the ladies Naomi knew from where she lived before started talking, right? All that she, Naomi's back. And they're like, oh, is that Naomi? Could that be Naomi? And she says, um, she was so broken from what she had gone through in Moab that she told the people, all the ladies, She's like, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant and my joy, but call me Mara, which means bitter, because I am bitter for all I went through, and I went away full, and I am brought back empty. I feel like the Lord is against me. Have, has anybody ever felt like that? Like you're so bitter about something, or something's happened in your life, and you feel like the Lord is against you. I felt that. But God wasn't against her, and he also wasn't against any of you. He was preparing something great for her and for Ruth, but at that moment they were consumed with their loss and what they had to let go of. When they came to Bethlehem, the house of bread, it was the beginning of the barley harvest, a time of provision. I don't know if she planned that or not, but that's how it was. So there were no food banks, right? There were no EBT. There was no services that they could go to and get help. And it was really hard for women to survive without the support of a husband or a son. They could glean or beg or be prostitutes. They had not very many options other than that. Ruth decided she would go glean in the fields, which is where she would walk along behind the harvesters or come after they were done and pick up the little bits of grain that was dropped. You know, try to beat the mice to picking up just little bits little bits so small that wasn't worth the time of the harvesters to go back and pick up. She was scavenging for bits of grain so they wouldn't starve. She had to let go of any pride she had left in order to do that. I mean, I felt that way too, kind of like we're like picking up the leftovers. So there was this guy who Naomi knew. He was a relative of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech. Am I saying that right, Mike? Elimelech? Um... This man's name was Boaz, which means the Lord is strength, come in strength, and strength in action. And he was a field owner. Ruth ended up in one of Boaz's fields. 
Boaz noticed Ruth and asked his guys about her. Like, who is this lady that's out gleaning? And they were like, that's Ruth. She's the Moabite one, the one that came with Naomi from Moab. Kind of like, she's the outsider. You know, she doesn't belong here. Um, Undocumented. Undocumented, yep. She asked us if she could glean the fields, and she's been working hard all day from early in the morning. So Boaz goes to Ruth and tells her, Hey, Ruth, I heard your story, and instead of gleaning all the fields, just glean from my fields and stay close to the other ladies so you don't get harassed or assaulted by any of the men. And if you get thirsty, go get a drink from my well. Ruth was so thankful that she fell at his feet and thanked him, saying, How are you being so nice to me as I am a foreigner? Or as I am undocumented, or as I am addicted, or, you know, fill in the blank. She didn't feel worthy of the kindness. Boaz told her he knew all about how she was good to Naomi, and how she let go of all she knew, coming to a strange land to be with Naomi and take care of her. And then he blesses her and says in Ruth 2.12, The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you take refuge. Then he goes farther and lets Ruth eat and drink with them and tells his workers to drop grain on purpose so Ruth will have more to take home. Ruth gets home and Naomi's like, what? Where did you get all this grain? It's not just a little sack. Be like, filled your apron. And Ruth fills her in of what happened, and this continues through the barley and the wheat harvests. Now Naomi, who is calling herself bitter, has an idea, and she forms a plan. She's seen that Boaz has been good to Ruth, and she instructs Ruth on how to approach him and proposition him for marriage. Back in those days, since Boaz was related to Elimelech, Naomi's husband who passed away, he could become what is called a kinsman redeemer, who is someone who could redeem or rescue a person who has fallen into trouble or, or hard times. In this case, a widow who cannot adequately support herself. This is just like Jesus is for us. He is our kinsman redeemer because he is our brother and he rescues us from darkness and the power of sin and death, which we can't rescue ourselves out of. And he brings us into his glorious light and life. So Boaz accepts Ruth's advance and proposition for marriage, but he has to make sure that another man who's a closer relative doesn't want to marry her. He takes care of all that, and he does it the very next day. And they get married and have a baby boy who they named Obed. Obed means serving, worshiping, and a servant who worships God. Obed brings so much joy to Ruth and Naomi that no, Naomi is no longer Mara or bitter, but she now is Naomi again. She is pleasant and joy. She regains her identity through Obed, which is serving and worshiping. Sometimes, hmm, whoops, I skipped a line. And Obed, Ruth, and Boaz's son had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David, who became king, King David, the one that conquered Goliath and um, the one that was the king. So this story of letting go is very important because out of David's line came Jesus. 
So this story has implications that echo all the way down the generations to Jesus, which in turn has blessed all humanity, including us. Sometimes what we let go of can change the trajectory of generations. Totally. Um, Remember those sons of Naomi, Ruth, Ruth and Orpah's husbands, Malon and Kilion? Well, Malon means sickness, painful and weak. And Kilion means pining, longing, wasting away, complete consumption. So even as painful as it is for us to let go of former things, we may be letting go of pain and sickness, pining, which is like longing and wasting away. So as hard as it was for them to lose their husbands, they were letting go of sickness and wasting away. So let's look at the names again. This is going to be shorter than what I read before. And see if we can find truths in them that can help us in letting go of what we need to let go of. So in place of the names, I'm going to say the meanings of the names, if that makes sense. So a, a famine in the house of bread led a family to a land of desire, waste, and nothingness. In the land of nothingness, my God is king dies, but sickness, pain, weakness, pining, wasting away, and complete consumption live a bit longer, and then they die as well. They have to let go of wasting away in sickness to return to the house of bread. Pleasant and joy and beauty go back to the house of bread, but double-mindedness turns back to the land of waste. Pleasant and joy is so broken that she changes her name to bitter, and beauty is the only thing that helps them survive by laying down her pride. Beauty meets the Lord's strength, strength in action, and he redeems the beauty, but also redeems the bitterness back to the true identity of joy. And out of all this, a servant who worships God is born, and out of his line comes Jesus, who is salvation. For everything that Ruth had to let go of, God blessed her with more than she had before, spiritually and physically. So if we put ourselves in their shoes, we have to let go of Chilion, the pining and the wasting away, and Malon, the sickness and the pain of Moab, the desire of waste places. So we can come into the house of bread and come under Boaz, the strength of the Lord, God's strength in action. And that brings us to a place of blessing and worship to our God, who is worthy of our praise. Um, so, and if you don't want to share publicly, you don't have to. But what are some things that people need to let go of, do you think? you guys have any ideas of stuff that could be like holding us in a place of bitterness or holding us to a place of um, waste or nothingness? False accusation. False accusation. That's so true. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Yeah, not understanding of how other people function and work. Kind of like judgment of others, right? Judging them, but it's out of our ignorance, kind of, when we judge. Is that what you meant? Mm-hmm. That's just expectations. Expectations. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. Let, let our it go. old behavior. Yeah, our old behavior. Changing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes, letting go of that old behavior, kind of like the sin that entangles us so that we can run to what he has for us. Practice. Did you see that? 
Yeah, that one's so hard for me. <laughs> she said, letting go of things we can't control. Yeah, what she said is she gets so focused on things that she can't control that... When she stops trying to control everything, that's when things fall into place. I can testify to that, too. Yeah, mind reading. Yeah, what was that, Robin? Fairy tale thinking. Fairy tale thinking, yeah. That is a big one. Yeah, totally. Shame, right? Sometimes we need to let go of shame because that keeps us in that place of being trapped in our shame. Sometimes we need to let go of anger. Because that produces, you know, rotten fruit. We don't want rotten fruit. Rejection. Rejection. Need to let go of regret. Yeah, totally. Gossip, right? Which goes along with judgment of others. To let go of that and trust God that he's going to work it out. That we don't have to try to network for God. Those are all really good, guys. It's a long list. I didn't write them down, but... Our past kind of encompasses a lot of it. Letting go of our past, learning from it and growing from it, but not staying in the place, you know, being trapped in it. What are your places of sickness and wasting away? Things that are not building you up, but bringing you down. Things that once you let go of, there will be room for the blessings that come. God knows that some things are not good for us. And when we let go, and when we surrender those things to God, we can take up the things that God has for us that will build us up. Sometimes the things that we have to let go of are good things. Sometimes it's painful to let go. Almost always, right? <laughs> even if it's not good things, we think they are sometimes. But even, especially maybe when it's good things in our life that we have to let go of, it's painful. Um, and it hurts to let go and it's hard. I don't say this to you as if it's an easy thing. The thing that Ruth let go of hurt her, but it was worth it, and Jesus helps us let go when we don't have the strength. So if we don't think we can let go of those things, we can ask for strength to help us do that. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pastor Mike, I hope he doesn't mind me using him as an example, is letting go of being a pastor here at Tierra Nueva because God is calling him to different things. I can't imagine that that's easy for him. can't imagine that it's comfortable. I imagine that it feels kind of scary sometimes. But in letting go, he's trusting God and stepping into the next level of his life. And great blessings will come for him, but also for those he will be loving on and journeying with. Andrew had to let go of being here too, to trust God and step into his calling to Guatemala. And the people there will be blessed by his process of truly letting go of his comfort and his homeland. And I know that God will bless him in that too. So letting go, I guess the foundation of letting go involves trusting God. Trusting that he has a plan for you, which he does. Trusting that God is for you, not against you. 
which he's not against you. Trusting that as you go through the tough process of letting go, he will comfort you and there will be blessing and joy in the outcome. Psalm 35 says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. We let go of our past, knowing God holds our future. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's going to do that for you guys. He's going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Places that are dry in your lives, as we release to him, he's going to make things spring up and grow. Um... Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. We let go of our shame knowing that God, in Jesus, forgives us and washes us clean of all guilt and shame. Psalm 103, 11 and 12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's really far, guys. It never stops. It never stops. That's how far he removes our transgressions from us. And John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world, for God so loves each one of you that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And we can let go of anger and bitterness. In James 1, 19 and 20, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God he says that in love to us and then I think sometimes the hardest because this kind of is the bedrock of everything else we need to let go of is we can let go of control and we can trust God we can trust him guys and that's sometimes a really scary place to be but it's um, the best place to be is letting go of control and trusting God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make, your, make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your, to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So let's let go of Malon and Kilion. Let's let go of sickness and pain and weak. Let's let go of pining and wasting away and complete consumption. And let's leave the place of waste and nothingness so that we can come under the wings of the Lord as our strength, so that we can come under the wings of strength and action, which will lead us to serving and worshiping God. I'm going to pray for us. A friend of mine and a friend of Tierra Nueva had his memorial service yesterday. His name's Jerry Benson. 
And one of the things he liked to say was, let's pray and let God do the heavy lifting. So let's pray and let God do the heavy lifting. Okay, guys? Um, Father, I thank you that we can trust you. I don't always know what that looks like. And I don't always know how to do that. But I know that you're with us and that we can trust you. I ask that you would show us what that looks like in each one of our lives. That those places that we're holding on to that we need to let go of, whether they're good or whether they're something that's tearing us apart, that you would show us how to release those. You would show us how to release bitterness and anger. And you would show us how to release the sin that's tying us up. That you would show us how to release um, judgment of others and shame and control and all the lists that we listed, God, that you would show us how to release that. And that as we open our hands to you and our hands are empty, that you would fill it with what you have for us in place of those things. Because I know what you have for us is better than anything that we could hold on to. I pray for each person here that you would be taking them on a journey of letting go and filling up, that you would fill them up into those places.